The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, folks? Welcome to episode number 100 of the Paul Leslie Hour. Hard to believe it's been 100 episodes. I was on the radio, still am on the radio, for 14 years, and it was last October I decided, at the request of many people, to get a podcast, reach out to more people. It's been a lot of work. I've found that I've reached people that I normally wouldn't have gotten a chance to meet. And here we are at episode 100. A friend of mine, perhaps one of my best friends in the world, Wesley Cook, suggested, why don't you interview yourself? And then he kind of tailspinned and he said, why don't you open the floodgates and let anybody who wants to ask you whatever. At first I thought, well, do people really want to know what I have to say? Uh, And then I just decided, you know what, let's just see what happens. So for episode 100, I am referring to this as Paul Speaks. Hear the new theme song earlier? That was written, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. It is called The Paul Leslie Theme. So, let's get into the first question. This one comes from Ryan Smith, also known as Ryan Hardcore. He's a fighter, an athlete, if you will. So, take it away. Good afternoon, Mr. Paul Leslie. It's been way too long, my friend. First of all, congratulations on your 100th episode. And as far as questions, I got a couple for you. One, given the slew of A-list entertainers, singers, songwriters that you've already been fortunate enough to converse with and to share with us, thank you for that, by the way, what would you say is the quintessential bucket list podcast for you? Not just the guest, but also the setting. And also... If you weren't able to do this, you know, continue podcasting for whatever reason, what else would you be doing? What else is it that sets your soul on fire, so to speak? So, again, congratulations, my friend. I look forward to hearing hearing everything, and best wishes to you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Tough questions there. Good questions. Thank you, Ryan. I would say quintessential interview probably won't happen, and I can accept that fact. But it would be with the greatest songwriter of our time, Mr. Bob Dylan. I can't think of anybody I would most want to interview. I think he would be challenging to interview, but I think I could do a good job. I think that I would want to talk to him just because... You really can't go any higher in terms of songwriting artists. He's just brilliant. There's plenty of reasons why I would want to interview Bob Dylan. But as far as atmosphere, I would say ideally it would be in a hotel room or on his bus. Not in a studio. I would do it in a studio, but... I would want him to feel absolutely relaxed. If we were going to do it in any studio, 
it would be at Capitol Studios in Hollywood, which is where he's recorded the last few songs of, albums I should say, of American songbook classics, jazz songs. I think it would be very cool to talk to him there. As far as what I would be doing if I wasn't doing interviews all the time, that's really tough. I would think that it would have something to do with nature. There was a time when I was younger that I wanted to be something like a forest ranger or some type of uh, national park ranger, something like that. I have a real strong love and fascination of birds. If I had a little bit more of a scientific mind, I could see myself being an ornithologist. I just think there's nothing more fascinating than birds. I mean, from the time that they're born, the whole eggs hatching, incubation, to the fact that they can fly, the fact that some of them can be so graceful on the water. Birds are so diverse. Think about the difference between a hummingbird and a vulture. So I would say it has something to do with nature. Anytime I get away from screens and from the very, very pervasive technological world that we live in, when I get out away and just have that kind of silence, I'm very happy. So I think I would do something like that, or if I could work at a zoo or something like that. I think that's something that I would like to explore and that I would like to do. Okay, so one of the written questions. This says, In our lives, we sometimes come across a piece of advice or a quote of wisdom that radically changes our outlook on life or the way we perceive the world. If you have encountered anything that significant, I would love to hear it on your show. Cheers, buddy. Caleb Miller. Well, I have to say, there has been a couple of people who have shared something with me that was very profound. It wasn't on the podcast, but it was years and years ago. I got a chance to interview Captain Tony Terracino. He was 88 years old at the time. Uh, he was the former mayor of Key West. He passed away at 92 years old. But Captain Tony has said a lot of things that I think are very, very important. He closed the interview by quoting the, uh, the classic song, Try a Little Tenderness. If she's weary, everything is dreary, just try to try a little tenderness. He said a lot of things. I wish I followed this one more, but <laughs> on the funnier side, he's always said, all you need in this life is a great ego and tremendous sex drive. Brains don't mean a shit, <laughs> which I think offends all the right people. Again, just because there's words of wisdom doesn't mean that I live by them. But I would say that from the podcast, I did an interview with a guy named uh, Chosen Jack Hobner, a Buddhist monk who wrote a book called Single White Monk. He said everyone, I'm paraphrasing here, Everyone wants to be somebody. Maybe you should try to be nobody. If you're nobody, then you can be anybody. You can go into any situation 
And you're not trying to use your ego. You're not trying to impress anybody. You almost have the curiosity and the mind of a child. I try to remember that. Hey, you don't have to be liked, and you don't have to measure up to anything. So I would say, be nobody is one of the most valuable things that I've heard on the podcast to now, which is episode 100. Okay, this one comes from Raman. He asks, it's a two-part question, what's wrong with you? Well, Raman, there's lots of angles there that we could go. (laughs) Are you talking financially, psychologically, economically, sexually, uh, (laughs) behaviorally? I don't know. You have to be a little more specific. Part two would be, cash me outside. How about that? Anytime, my friend. Anytime. Inside, outside, whatever. Another written question. What's the story behind the Henry Miller was born in New York City background I often hear on the show? And that comes from Kevin Hooper, big-time supporter of the show. Thank you for that question, Kevin. In order to tell you about that song, I just picked it because I really, really liked the fact that it was mysterious. What does that mean? And also because the song lyrics are kind of biographical, and indeed so many of the interviews that I do on this show are biographical in nature. And I always wondered, is anybody ever going to ask, what does that mean? Because on most episodes, the very last thing you hear is, Henry Miller was born in New York City. And Kevin Hooper, you are the one who asked. So, I went to the source I asked John Goodwin what the meaning was behind that. And, of course, he did not disappoint. Check him out at babyrecords.com. Fantastic songwriter, fantastic all-around artist. He said, I corresponded with Henry Miller when I was in high school. During the late 1960s, I dropped by his house in L.A. a couple times at his invitation and hung out with him. He was wonderful. He actually painted a watercolor for me, which I still have. And that track, Henry Miller, he just says he just created that wild track, and he started singing the song as an improv. It's not like I wrote it. I more like just made it up. And those are John Goodwin's words. So there's the story behind Henry Miller. The new theme song that you hear at the beginning, Jeff Pike wrote that, and he said that he just imagined me walking down the street like John Travolta. <laughs> so there you go. And thank you again, Jeff Pike. Very honored that you wrote that song. And the new song for the outro was also composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin. And it comes from the movie that he made called Malukas, which you can check out on Vimeo. Thank you again to Jeff Pike and John Goodwin for their contributions. Most appreciated. Okay, so another written question. This one comes from Eric Baer, and he says, When people put ketchup on eggs, what went wrong in their childhood to make them that way? Well, I'm glad you asked that, because ketchup is nasty. There's just about no food that I can't have some kind of appreciation for or understanding. But to me, ketchup is just purposeless. It doesn't go good on fries. It doesn't go good on anything. So, what went wrong in their childhood to make them that way? 
I guess somebody gave them ketchup and told them to believe in this lie that ketchup is actually worth anything. I know I'm probably offending everybody there. Most people love ketchup, but like I said, it's the one food I just, I don't get it. Why would you eat ketchup? He also asked if you could give a cat to any one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, who would it be and why? That'd have to be Ben Franklin. First of all, it would be a cool bragging rights story. Anytime somebody saw a $100 bill, you could say, yeah, I gave him a cat one time. Yeah, yeah, he had the cat until the cat's natural end. Ben Franklin was a very interesting person. If I had to answer the question of who would I interview from the past, it would be him. A funny guy, very versatile, had the mind of government, also had an intelligence as a writer and a publisher, had a scientific mind. Yes, Ben, Ben Franklin. Let's go to one of the audio questions now. Okay, Paul Leslie, this is Frankie Keene from Hereafter Musical. And my question for you, and it's sad that I only get one, but my question for you was, what was your favorite TV show growing up, and why? Why? All right. All right. Thank you, Frankie Keene. I think that's a good question. I would say, because we didn't have a lot of American programming in terms of television when I was growing up in the Philippines, one that I have the fondest memories of would be watching Perfect Strangers. You remember with Larry and Balky? Yeah, I loved that show, and it just has warm memories for me, thinking back about watching that with my family. It was just a much happier time, a simpler time. Then I would say in my later, you know, like teen years, when I was starting to create uh, an identity for myself, it would have to be Seinfeld. I've seen every episode of Seinfeld, like so many people, many, many times. Seinfeld just never fails to make me feel good. It's just comfort thing for me. And I, I just find the show very, very funny. I, I always will. And then I would say if I had to pick a second favorite, do you remember the Thursday night NBC Dynasty? It was Seinfeld at 9 o'clock and then Frasier at 9.30. Love Frasier. Great show. Very intelligent. Could be heartwarming and also hilarious. And thanks again, Frankie. Okay, now I'm going to go back to the written questions. This one comes from Rogia. She says, who would you like to interview the most? Now, I already mentioned the Bob Dylan thing, and that's probably not going to happen. I'm just being realistic here. So, a couple other people, I would say, that are a big part of my dream list, if you will, would be David Letterman, because in many ways... It is because of David Letterman that I have been interviewing people for the last 14 years. I recall very late at night, staying up and seeing Letterman when he was on NBC for the very first time. I was pretty much instantly hooked as a, a little kid, and I just somehow decided that I wanted to be a talk show host. And I think that in some way, 
It was because of David Letterman. Also, David Letterman was a party and a witness to pretty much every single person in pop culture from the last 30 years or so. It's pretty remarkable, really. And the fact that he's elusive, that to me is appealing. There aren't a lot of interviews with David Letterman. I'd like to be one of the people who do it. I think that the questions I would ask him would produce something interesting. The other one would be the father right now of the American songbook, our grand patriarch, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, still doing it at 91 years old. I would really, really like it if he would be on the show. Who knows, maybe someone out there can help with that one. Okay, another written question. This one comes from Tracy Wright. What is your procedure in requesting interviews with big celebrities? I know you said that David Cassidy agreed to be interviewed, but it never happened. Do you have to pester their PR agents to get some interviews set up? Do you get frustrated when they continue to put you off? Okay. So my procedure in requesting interviews is I usually don't go through the publicist. I have found that in general, publicists, their job is to say no to people like me. Now, there are great exceptions, and I've had some great publicists who've set up interviews with me, uh, with guests. Thank you to them. And I'm not saying I don't respect them, but you have to get the interview in any way possible. So I try to go around them. I sometimes will drop them a letter. I've used a lot of creative techniques to get a hold of people. Nonetheless, I still do go through publicists quite a lot. And you asked, do you have to pester their PR agents to get some interviews set up? In general, no, because usually the answer is just no. Now, there have been times where I stayed at it. I kept on. I was persistent. I did not give up. And in the end, I got the interview. You also asked, do you get frustrated when they continue to put you off? There have been times where I got very frustrated, really annoyed. Why are they putting me off like this? But there are so many people out there. There are so many fascinating people that I could talk to. Usually, in general, if they reject me now, if they say no, I don't take it too personally, but I move on. There's a, a huge list of people that I want to talk to, so... Ah, I keep on trucking. I don't get as frustrated anymore because, again, there's such an abundance of people to talk to. So many of them are very fascinating. Another written question. What drives you to want to talk to people? This comes from Wesley Cook. What drives you to want to talk to people, and who is your biggest influence and why? Okay. I would say my biggest influence would be Elliot Mintz. Elliot Mintz is retired, but he was a radio and television interviewer for many, many years in Los Angeles. He interviewed thousands of people, and I liked his long-form interviews. They were relaxed. It was him talking to somebody and really, really getting to know them 
He wasn't afraid to ask unusual questions when he would interview somebody. And I think I ask some odd questions, or at least people sometimes say that I do. And the other thing about Elliot Mintz is it is very clear from listening to any of his interviews that he really wanted to know the answer. He wanted to know what this person was about. What was their essence? What drove them? What were their experiences? You should check out his website, by the way, folks. It's elliotmintz.com. You could get lost in that place. Lots and lots of great content, all for free. I should list some honorable mentions. There are other people. I would say Joe Franklin, Studs Terkel, Bob Edwards, Larry King. So what drives me to want to talk to people? I think it's that I really, really want to know. I do have a natural curiosity. I wonder what it would be like to interact with certain people. What would it be like to sit down with somebody like uh, Joni Mitchell or Joan Baez or Bob Dylan or, gosh, you could go on and on, Paul Simon, David Letterman. I just wonder what those experiences would be like. And so that's why I do it. And then I think the other thing is that I love them. I love the people that I interview. And I want other people to see it too. So me asking to interview them and trying to share the interview in whatever way I can is kind of like my tribute to them. So thank you, Wesley. Great questions. I think it's time to go again to an audio question. Hi, Paul. This is Jason, big fan. Um, uh, congratulations on episode 100. And uh, you've interviewed so many incredible people and personalities. I thought I'd try to throw a little curveball here and ask you that if you could interview any fictional character of all time from any medium, who would it be and what would you ask them? And this could be anything from, you know, the dude to Batman. But uh, just curious. I thought that would be a fun one. Thanks so much and keep doing what you do. Thanks. All right, Jason. That's an impressive question. I have to say, no offense to the others, that's quite possibly the best question submitted. Who in the world of fictional characters would I most want to interview? Well, my friend, I would have to say it would be Forrest Gump. If you think about it, Forrest Gump was a first-hand witness to so many events throughout the history of the 20th century. He's a guy with a unique philosophy. He doesn't have any pretension. He would absolutely share anything you asked him about. And I think there's a lot of things you could learn from Forrest Gump. So there's my answer. I think that my other choice would be Dr. Fraser Crane from Fraser, a fellow radio personality and a psychiatrist could be a very interesting conversation. Plus, Fraser Crane had a huge ego, and that's always good for an interviewee, most of the time. Now let's get back into some written questions. This one comes from Rich Holmack. He asked, How many U.S. states and countries have you been to so far, and where haven't you visited that you really want to see? Well, I've lived in four states so far, and one foreign country, That'd be the Philippines, when I was younger. But it all started in Michigan, of all places. My parents were up there, and I wouldn't say I'm from Michigan, but that is where I was technically born. 
I visited about a dozen countries, all of them in Europe, Asia, or North America, and I've been to 36 states so far. If I could go anywhere right now, it would be Australia. I just think it's a fascinating place. It's a continent I've never been to. And then as far as states, I would want to be out west. I'm talking wilderness, Wyoming, Montana, that kind of thing. Thank you, Rich. Good question. We've got one more audio question. And this is from a couple of people that were past guests on the Paul Leslie Hour radio show. Ingrid and Hamilton. I'll let them take it away. Hi, Paul. This is Ingrid calling. My question for you is, if you could relive any moment in your life, what would it be and why? And this is Hamilton. And my question is, since I am a book nerd, what is your favorite book and why? If I could relive any moment, what would it be and why? Well, that's a tough question. I have to say this. When I was very young, my parents took me to see some very incredible things. From a very young age, I was seeing things that a lot of Americans wouldn't really get a chance to see. Volcanoes. Tribal people. Good and bad things. Good and bad, definitely. And I think that wanting to relive moments in your life could possibly be a recipe for suffering. But with that said, I do wish that I had the mind and the appreciation. I appreciated it then. I don't feel like I fully understood the meaning and the significance of certain things. There's so many things I'd like to see again and experience them now as an adult or a semi-adult. <laughs> okay, now the question from Hamilton, what is my favorite book and why? That one's a little easier. My favorite book was, is, and always will be Of Mice and Men. It's my favorite book because I believe it is the best definition of a friendship the characters George and Lenny. Second choice, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Same reason. The characters of Huck and Jim. No truer friendship has ever been written about. So that's my choice for my favorite book of Mice and Men. Close second, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Written question. This one comes from Karina. What have you found to be the best way to live? With you. Now there's two questions I almost always ask my guests. Easier asked than answered. What is the best thing about being you? In this case, what is the best thing about being Paul Leslie? I would say this. I get to be in awe of people. I think other people are beautiful. 
and what I do is celebrate them. People that I normally would never get a chance to meet invite me in, and I get to ask them why. It's a beautiful thing. I don't take it for granted. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I forget a little. But it's absolutely a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to share a person with other people. The last question, who are you? Who is Paul Leslie? I would say this. He's somebody who doesn't always get it right. He falls down a lot. But he always gets up eventually. That's who Paul Leslie is. Well, folks, it's been a great 100 episodes. I hope to keep this going. Keep on listening. Thank you very much for letting me into your lives. Until next time. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ThePaulLeslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.